to another Footnotes episode of Infinitely Prefer a Book. On these Footnotes episodes, I like to talk about what I'm reading and thinking about, and today I want to talk about a philosophy that I have been learning about and practicing, keyword here is practice, for the last nine years or so, which is minimalism. This word has gotten quite a buzz in the past couple of years. I, of course, like to think that I'm one of the OG minimalists, but the truth is that I heard about it on an NPR show, so it was already buzzing. Some of the most famous icons in the United States for minimalism are Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus, known as Josh and Ryan to us fans. They've written several books, none of which I have ever read. Um, And they were also those guests on that original radio program that I listened to when I found out about minimalism. There are a lot of other personalities out there um, as well. Some well-known ones include Courtney Carver, Joshua Becker, The Nestor, Marie Kondo, among lots and lots of others. Um, Especially in the last few years, it seems like everybody's gotten on the bandwagon. Although this is a book podcast and there are a lot of books out there about minimalism, I actually have um, had never read a book about minimalism until just in the last year or two, which I'll talk about in a minute. But I first got my start in minimalism by subscribing to blog posts from Josh and Ryan's site, theminimalist.com. This was before the days of weekly newsletters becoming a craze, and I had just Um, I ended up getting an email sent directly to my inbox every time they updated their blog that contained that week's post. And it's kind of an essay, essentially, that they posted mostly every week. The messages that resonated with me the most had to do with prioritizing people over things and money. Also, prioritizing experiences over things and money and prioritizing time over things and money. I started following them at a time when we had sold our one and only car because we realized that we were spending about $700 a month to have it parked 20 hours a day when there were other options for transportation that cost less money. Yes, it did take more time, but I was able to fill that time doing things I enjoyed like reading or listening to podcasts while using public transportation, as well as getting in a bit of exercise. I really liked the idea that if I consumed less, I needed to make less money, therefore I needed to work fewer hours or not have as demanding of a job, and I liked the idea of paying for only what I needed and used. Most people who practice minimalism do focus on money and time-saving aspects. Oftentimes, we spend a lot of time trying to acquire money in order to have a life filled with things that that may or may not represent our values to the fullest. And so while minimalism is often used as a joke about how many things you own and Um, the way that I've read about it and tried to practice it, if you really kind of dig deep into it, is to really just focus on the things that add meaning to your life and that don't cause you to go into debt. So for some things, those things that add meaning to your life could be physical objects that bring you happiness, but others want to prioritize their money and time on experiences and travel. Some people want to donate their money to charity, causes that they support. Minimalism doesn't mean you don't have any things, but you don't have things that aren't important to you. There's also a component of environmentalism and trying to use what we have instead of buying new or things that only have a one-time use. Every person who is a minimalist has their own motivation for this practice and everyone's practice looks different. 
So back to that book that I did finally read, the first book I ever read on minimalism just a couple years ago was The More of Less by Joshua Becker. And the first scene he describes in his book is of him spending a Saturday cleaning out his garage. And when he says clean out his garage, he means organizing it. Nothing actually ever left his garage. He was just cleaning out the space and, and putting things back in a more orderly manner. And his son was asking him to play with him throughout the day. And uh, Joshua said, no, I have to work, son. You know, sometime when I'm not working, I can help you. And he realized um, the balance. He was spending all this time organizing things in his garage when he really wanted to spend time with his child. This was sort of a very familiar moment, the idea of cleaning out the garage, because when I was growing up, we spent a lot of labor days cleaning and reorganizing the garage in the home that I grew up in. And in my lifetime that we lived there, I cannot remember a single time we were able to park one car in our two-car garage. Uh, it was full of things that were important to us, and I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, um, but it, it was full, and it spent. A, we took a lot of time, took a lot of effort to find things in there, and it took a lot of time to clean it when it was time to clean it. And no one, no one wanted to clean it when it was time. Talking with my husband and taking a look around at my neighbors when their garages are open, I think this is a very common occurrence. And it just illustrates um, sort of the work that is involved in storing and maintaining items, even if they are only rarely used. The idea of minimalism is really to tip the balance in favor of fulfillment and enjoyment of life and less about spending time, energy, and money on things that aren't improving your life. Also, less time, energy, and money on cleaning, storing, and maintaining items that rarely get used. In a minimalist perspective, even just having something in your closet you rarely use takes mental energy away from you could, and could cost actual dollars, which you might think, well, how is that possible? How is the thing in my closet costing me money? Well, for example, your kitchen might feel like it's not big enough because there's not enough storage space which might consider cause you to consider remodeling your kitchen or upsizing into a bigger home. But minimalists would start first by assessing if everything in the kitchen is really necessary and getting um, getting rid and trying to reduce any excess. Maybe um, with some careful curating, you can keep the size of your kitchen and so when you do move, it's how big of a home do you really need? And a lot of that's dictated by how much storage space we need. Of course, this is a totally privileged position. There are a lot of people working long hours for things that are necessary and are going into debt because that's the only option to pay for things like heating and lights. But even still, there may be opportunities um, in that scenario to find simple and expensive ways to focus on things that are meaningful and important um, and also to prioritize the things that are essential. If you're interested in learning more about minimalism, I would suggest reading Joshua Becker's book, More of Less, and possibly watching the documentary Minimalism, a documentary about the important things on Netflix, which is the brainchild of Josh and Ryan. Also, you can meet in person with a minimalist group. Theminimalist.com has a listing of Facebook groups that they promote. I went to the one in St. Louis when we were living there, and it was really neat. I went with my mom, actually. It was fun. I'm um, also a big fan of the podcast, The Practical Minimalists, who no longer record episodes, but you can still access their archives. They have a really great ideas on how to put minimalism into practice. They also have some what is considered woo-woo ideas, but I just kind of, I find them interesting um, and engaging. 
I've also enjoyed reading the blog, 600 Square Feet in a Baby. Um, she takes pretty pictures and has some great practical tips for living in a small space. And um, it should be updated to be 600 square feet in two babies because now she has uh, like a five-year-old and a three-year-old, I think. So it's quite interesting to see how they live in 600 square feet, one bedroom apartment. Since this is the holiday season and many people might wonder what to give someone who is a minimalist for a gift, I thought it would be interesting to share some ideas as a sort of gift guide or non-gift guide as the case may be. Um, you can think of this as a gift guide for someone who has everything or at least everything that they need. The first category of gifts is non-things or experiences. Number one, your presence. Just you being there is enough. Number two, a stress-free, unobligated holiday with no gift, with a no gift agreement, just spending time together or a phone call if they're far away. Um, it takes the load off of them trying to figure out what to get you too. Less time at the mall is a gift for everyone. And okay, they're not all going to be like this, I promise. So the next one is experiences together, such as tickets for a show or a concert, taking a road trip, going out for lunch. Um, another idea, if you don't have live near enough to do some experiences together, maybe is there an experience you can gift them remotely? So considering memberships to museums or attractions, season passes to sporting events or theme parks, and then service-based subscriptions, potentially like an audiobook subscription. Libro FM and Audible are two companies that offer audiobook subscriptions. There are clothing renting subscriptions, meal kit or meal prep subscriptions if they like to cook. Netflix, Hulu, HBO, Disney Plus, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, subscriptions, or even an online newspaper or magazine, if that's something that they're interested in. Are they wanting to learn a skill? Maybe considering giving them lessons, either from yourself, if you have a skill that you want to teach them and they want to learn, or from somebody else. You can arrange to have several months of lessons on something to kind of get them started. Maybe they're really passionate about a cause and would appreciate a donation in their name. If you're looking for one, consider the Human Fund. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. That's a Seinfeld reference in case you missed it. But um, some people really are into their causes and, and would appreciate a donation instead of a gift. Another one, kind of kind of come with me here along this journey. You can give them an idea. And I don't, that sounds kind of weird for a minute, but once for a secret Santa gift at work, a coworker who had said she really likes to bake, um, I gave her a recipe. So I didn't make it for her. That's what she said she likes to do. But she enjoyed getting a new recipe to try out, and it definitely came in well under the $5 limit set on the activity. And there could be other kinds of things like this. It could be recommendations for podcasts or TV shows or books. The next set of ideas are consumable items. So think about things like food or cosmetics, things that will be used up and don't require long-term storage. So maybe the person that you are giving a gift to is really busy and would appreciate some frozen meals made by you to store in their freezer for busy weeknights. You could also do frozen cookie dough or desserts. Um, and they could be homemade, but they could also be store-bought too. So these kinds of things. You don't, I mean, it's nice to do it yourself. It's cheaper to do it yourself. Um, but it could also be something you buy at the store and, and you could stock their freezer for a few, a few meals that you know that they would appreciate that. 
small amounts of jams or preserves. Um, notice that you're going to give food items. You have to be sure to know their, their dietary preferences. So this could be tricky for someone who has a special diet, who has um, maybe a health condition that they're, they're think that they have that they need to eat special things. So that may not be as perfect for them, but if, but if you know them well and you know that what they like to eat and they would appreciate something like that, it's definitely fun and festive to give. You could gift them a lotion or perfume if you know their favorite scent. There could be artisan food like fair trade chocolate or other things that are a little on the pricey high end side and kind of feel fancy, but definitely would be appreciated. Also in the semi-consumable realm is plants or flowers. If you know they have a green thumb and like to care for that kind of thing. If the person is an artist, then art or craft supplies or sewing supplies might be appreciated. Or maybe a gift card to their favorite store so they can pick out their own supplies. Because sometimes that is personal. But um, if it's a kid especially, you know, arts and craft supplies are really, are really fun and they will get used up. The last category are actual things and items. So first of all, money or a gift card for something they've been saving up for. This could be maybe a home remodel, furniture, a big trip they're going to take, medical bills. Um, it could be anything that they might appreciate. And books. Of course, I would say this one. In my mind, minimalism does not actually count when it comes to books. <laughs> and books are also easy to pass along to someone else if they are taking up too much room. So I don't feel like it a big burden to give someone a book who then has to think, oh, well, the sentimental value of this um, this book, they, they're able to share it really easily so they can pass it on. I also like to be able to purchase specific ebooks as gift because these take up less storage room for people who are tight on space. Also, just asking them, what are they saving up for? What do they need? Um, a lot of minimalists prioritize quality over quantity, but that can just cost a lot of money and may not be available at sort of regular retail. They, they can probably help direct you to certain vendors that they prefer that has the quality that they're looking for. That's all I have to, for today. So what about you guys? What about this lifestyle appeals to you? What sounds absolutely crazy? And what gift ideas do you have for someone who has everything they need? You can find me on Instagram at Infinitely Prefer a Book. A reminder that our next book discussion will be To All the Boys I've Loved Before by Jenny Hunt.